Welcome everybody, thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast. In Ireland, the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine should be limited to over 60s, the Republic of Ireland's National Immunization Advisory Committee has said. The body oversees the COVID-19 vaccine rollout program in the Republic. It said that the vaccine's benefits may vary by age and that as other vaccines are available, it has revised its vaccine recommendations, reports RTE. All AstraZeneca vaccination clinics planned for Tuesday should now be cancelled. It has also been advised at a meeting on Monday night the NIAC recommended that the job should not be used for anyone under 60, including those with very high or high risk of severe coronavirus disease. It also states, those aged over 60 and older should receive their second dose 12 weeks later as scheduled. Those aged under 60 years with a very high risk or high risk medical condition should receive their second dose 12 weeks later as scheduled. Those aged under 60 years without a very high risk or high risk medical condition should have the scheduled interval between, between doses extended to 16 weeks to allow further assessment of the benefits and risks as more evidence becomes available. In France, French lawmakers have moved to ban short-haul internal flights where train alternatives exist in a bid to reduce carbon emissions. Over the weekend, lawmakers voted in favor of a bill to end routes where the same journey could be made by train in under two and a half hours. Connecting flights will not be affected, however. The planned measures will face a further vote in the Senate before becoming law. Airlines around the world have been severely hit by the coronavirus pandemic, with website Flight Trader 24 reporting that the number of flights last year were down almost 42% from 2019. The measures could affect travel between Paris and cities including Nantes, Lyon, and Bordeaux. In Mexico, more than 321,000 people are now believed to have died from COVID-19 in the country. The revised toll places places Mexico with the second highest number of COVID-related deaths in the world after the U.S. President Andrés Manuel López Obrador has faced widespread criticism over his handling of the crisis. The opposition has accused him of downplaying the sever severity of the pandemic and blamed him for delays in the vaccination programs. Hello, this is this week's economics and finance section and your host today is Ariadne Lopez from Campus Juarez and today is Saturday the 10th of the month of the children of 2021 as always talking about the dollar first basing our script in the information provided by the webpage calculadorasat.com a dollar is worth 20.8 pesos apparently pretty much lower than ever <laughs> at least in the time of the po the podcast um moving on the euro according to the website bankico.com a euro is worth 23.94 pesos and again seemingly very low in comparison to the one we talked about in the last podcast in talking about about currencies the last one is the korean one a thousand ones is worth 17.90 mexican pesos i mean <laughs> the war the one is always the lowest but oh my god you're telling me this is even lower you gotta be kidding me and that's a performance oh. <laughs> and 
The Bolsa Mexicana de Valores closed this week with an IPC of 47,352.18 and a variation of 0.58%. Anyways, that was all for this week's section of the podcast. Your host was Ariana Lopez from Campus Juarez and I'll see you later. In general news, a school shooting in Tennessee left one dead and one injured. According to the official version, the victim locked himself in the bathroom and opened fire to the policeman who responded, causing his death. About COVID-19, after being closed for a long time, pubs and restaurants have reopened in England to the delight of the public who have taken the opportunity to eat in the establishments again. Protests in Minneapolis start over the dead of another black man at the hands of the police. The rapid advance of the vaccination in the United Kingdom and several restrictions have led to plummeting incidents of the virus in recent weeks. Iran announced revenge against Israel over Nathan's nuclear plant incident. Iran has called the explosion at the Nathan's uranium enrichment plants a case of nuclear terrorists. The Islamic Republic of Iran said today that it will take revenge on the Zionist regime for the explosion. Hi, I'm Jorge Montijo and I'll start with the national news. This week started the largest electoral campaign in the country in which on June 6, more than 20,000 political positions will be at stake in which 93 million voters can participate. According to a survey, by the Bank of Mexico, the road expectation of specialists in the private sector economy increased from 3.6% in February to 4.5% in March. This is the highest growth recorded for 2K21. Social networks have become a great instrument for parties and politicians which will imply for the electoral authority a challenge to control the spending of promotion in networks. Six candidates for a federal deputation are cancelled from Morena. According to INEGI, annual inflation reached 4.6% in March, its highest level in the last 27 months. And now, some interesting facts about South Korea. South Korea is heaven for the tech junkies. Their internet is like super, super fast. The digital addicts will be relieved to know that they will never have to wait too long for their internet fix in South Korea because their average broadband adoption rate to be in between 26.1 megabytes per second. Flash will be amazed. South Korea is one of the biggest economies in the world. It's home to one of the world's best airports and they have very futuristic architecture and more than half of South Korea is cloaked in forests. The country also has around 2,430 kilometers of seaside. 
they're very diverse in their nature, their fauna, and all that stuff. And for the last um, interesting fact about Korea, they have a very growing, they have been growing a lot in the film industry. Like recently, recently the, the most recent movie that they had was Parasite, and they were nominated to six Oscars, which they won four. So they won the best movie, best director, best foreigner movie, best original screenplay. They paved the way. Now we'll start with the Orientalism part of this podcast. And today is the turn for the second chapter of the book that it's named Imaginary Geography and its representation, Orientalizing the Oriental. Strictly speaking, Orientalism is a scholarly field of study its formal existence is considered to have started in the Christian West with the decision it made in 1312. There are two excellent examples of this new triumphalism. One of them is the encyclopedic description of Orientalism from approximately 1765 to 1850 made by Raymond Schwab uh, in his in his book La Renaissance Orientale at this time there were there was a true Western epidemic in Europe that affected all the great poets, atheists, and philosophers of the time. Schwab believed the word Oriental described an amateur or professional enthusiasm for all things in Asia, and that it was wonderful synonym for the exotic, the mysterious, the deep, and the seminal. However, this electism had it weak point. Academic orientalists, for the most part, were interested in the classical period of the language or society they studied, until later in the country, with the right and sole exception of Napoleon's Institute d'Egypte. Non-attention was paid to the academic study of the modern and contemporary orient. Today it is unlikely, less likely than before World War II, that an, an orientalist will call himself, in himself an orientalist. However, the designation is still useful, for example, when universities maintain programs or departments for Eastern languages and civilizations. There is an Oriental faculty at the Oxford and a department of Oriental Studies at Princeton. In 1959, the British government commissioned 
a commission to review the progress that had been made in universities within the fields of Oriental, Slavic, Eastern European, and African studies, and to consider and make proposals for better future development. Let us now consider how to how the East, and in particular the Middle East, from ancient times was known in the West as the great complementary opponent. The Bible and the rise of Christianity were known. Some travelers were known to have traced trade routes and built regular systems of commercial exchange, such as Marco Polo and after him Lodovico di Barthema and Pietro della Valle. Certain fabulists were known, such as Mandeville. The terrible Eastern movements of conquest, mainly the Islam, and militant pilgrimages, especially the Crusades, were known. Uh, altogether gave rise to the to a shift with an internal structure that was built for the literature literature related to these experiences um, from which come a restricted number of typical genres, trouble, history, fable, stereotype, and controversial confrontation. This lenses through which the East is observed shape <clears throat> the language, perception, and form of contract between East and West. From a philosophical point of view, the type of language, though, and vision that have generally called it Orientalism is an extreme form of realism. It is habitual way of treating supposedly Oriental questions, objects, qualities, and regions. Those who use, use it want to designate name, indicate, and fix what they are talking about with a word or a phrase. Uh, it is then considered that that word or that phrase has acquired a certain reality or that it is simply reality. From a rhetorical point of view, Orientalism is uh, anatomical and enumerative. To use it vocabulary is to commit to particularize and divide the realities of the East into manageable parts. From a psychological point of view, orientalism is a form of paranoia, uh, a knowledge that is not the same type of as ordinary historical knowledge, for example. These are some consequences of the imaginary geography and the spectacular borders it draws.